Hey, what's up, Mets fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Mets Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Greg Cutajar, and in this episode, we're talking the Mets series win over the Marlins. All right, and welcome back to another series recap and review episode of the Mets Talk Podcast. Earlier today, the Mets finished off a series win against the Miami Marlins, taking three out of four in their four-game set. This was a really great series that gave the Mets a 5-2 and two record on their homestand. In the first half, I'm going to be breaking down each game by looking at the pitching and hitting performances as usual, and then in the second half, I want to dive into an injury update for the Mets. I want to look at some of the recent injuries that the Mets are dealing with, and then who the Mets might be seeing returning from the injured list very soon. Just a quick note, I want to apologize. I wasn't able to get a a uh, recap and review episode out for the Brewer series. And this upcoming week, starting on Thursday, I'm going to be away until the beginning of July. So I won't be able to get uh, recap episodes out for the next few series that are, are coming up, but you know, as soon as I'm back, I'm going to be back getting new recap episodes out then. But right now, I'm really excited to dive in and look at this series against the Marlins, starting with the first game the Mets played on Friday night. They won it 10-4 over the Marlins, starting with the pitching as usual. Carrasco, really nice bounce back game, you know, in, in Los Angeles, had a bit of a rough start, got roughed up a bit, but in this one, was really solid. He went 6.1 innings. He he gave up eight hits, three runs, two walks. He had seven strikeouts. Did a really nice job. You know, uh, the offense did a, a a great job in this game. You know, especially early, get, giving Carrasco a, a quick lead. But you know, on the mound, he did his job as well. A couple of those runs that he gave up actually were you know, literally given up by Adonis Medina, who who came in after Carrasco, but the runners were on from Carrasco. I thought he did a really nice job. It was exactly the kind of game the Mets needed out of him, you know, bouncing back from his start in Anaheim. Moving on to Medina, as I mentioned, you know, he he honestly didn't really have his best stuff. The Mets were up 10-1 to when he came in, so it was already a blowout, but he struggled a little bit to... to keep runners off he went one and a third innings he gave up two hits one run two walks he had one strikeout he really just didn't look as solid as he had been the last time we saw him which I believe the last time the Mets saw him was against the Dodgers when he locked down that really close game in extras really nice job then from him but in this game you know gave up a double right away hit a batter uh, a fielder's choice, which scored a run, did get a strikeout at the end of the seventh inning, which is the inning he came into. But then in the eighth, gave up a double, walked a batter after two ground outs. So struggled a bit there, balked in a run on uh, off of a balk. You know, don't see that often, but that wasn't ideal either. And then another walk before he was taken out. So it just really wasn't his day. But luckily, the Mets were up by so much that it, it wasn't you know, too damaging for the Mets. And then Adam Onovino came in after to relieve Medina in that eighth inning. He pitched one in the third innings. He gave up no hits or runs. He gave up one walk and had three strikeouts. I thought Adovino looked really good in this series in general. He looked really great in today's game as well. But overall in this game, you know, four runs for the Mets or for the Marlins that the Mets allowed. I thought the pitching staff looked really solid out there. But turning to the hitting, this is where things looked really good. The Mets had only nine hits, but they put up 10 runs. They did an awesome job, you know, making their hits and their runs count. 
Both Nimmo and Alonzo had two hits in this game, and everyone except Marte and Nito had a hit. But Marte also walked and drove in a run, which was nice to see. Lindor and Alonzo were really the, the big guys in this game. They drove in four runs apiece. Marte, as I mentioned, and J.D. Davis drove in the other two runs. Lindor started off the scoring early with a three-run shot in the first inning. Love to see that. Uh, you know, he had been, you know, in a bit of a slump recently. So, you know, him hitting a home run there, and it was a nice emotional home run too. His mom was seeing him in New York for the first time. So that was exciting. And then Pete drove in his four runs on a grand slam in the sixth inning. The Mets put up seven runs in this inning. Via a Davis single, Marte walking in the run, as I mentioned. Lindor got hit by a pitch, which scored a run. And then Alonso drove home four with a grand slam. Really nice to see the Mets, you know, break out there, you know, explode for a bunch of runs in this in, in that inning. And then just in this game in general, start off the series right. Moving on to game two, Mets took this game, but by a much closer margin, the score being three to two. Once again, the pitching was phenomenal in this game. Taiwan Walker was on the mound. He went 6.2 innings, gave up two hits, one run, one walk, and he had nine strikeouts. I talked about this in the last episode, which was really for two series ago against the the Angels, about how you know the narrative surrounding Walker had been he's a, not really a strikeout pitcher this year. He's a contact pitcher, but he went out there after striking out 10 in his last start and struck out nine Marlins just was really good. He was just on, and there was a period where he retired 18 batters in a row after allowing a leadoff single. So, you know, that's the kind of stuff you you want from Walker, who, you know, going into the season was your number five starter. So to, to get that level of production out of him, to see him, you know, changing his approach or not even really his approach, but just, you know, getting a different level of results from, you know, being a contact pitcher to get out, you know, via contact to you know a strikeout guy that's you know a really nice improvement by him and a really nice job you know turning it on when he needed to turn it on and be that kind of dominant guy after walker drew smith came in he looked really great as well he he pitched one in the third innings he gave up no hits no runs no walks and he had three strikeouts you love to see that and then edwin diaz came in he pitched an inning he gave up two hits one run no walks and had three strikeouts as well. He was a little shakier than what we've seen recently, but you know he worked around some difficult situations. Got three strikeouts in this inning, or in his one inning that he pitched, even with the tying runner on second base in the ninth. I mean, that is exactly the kind of performance you want to see from Diaz, who in the past we've seen he he can be a little you know wild when there's guys on or wild in a a high leverage, you know, risky situation. So awesome job by him. Turning to the offense, the Mets only had six hits and three runs, but, you know, the pitching, as I mentioned, was just outstanding in this game. Marte led the team with two hits, and Lindor led the team with two runs batted in, and those came off of another home run, The second in his second in two days. McNeil actually started the scoring in the second inning, driving home a run with a single, and then Lindor tacked on two more in the third inning with his two-run homer. That's just awesome to see, you know, Lindor starting to heat up at the plate, getting driving in more runs, which is something he's been doing whether he's been hot or not, but, you know, showing off that power, which we know he has, is huge. You know, even though the Mets you know, didn't put up a ton of runs here. Again, it's really the pitching that was the the highlight of the story, but they did what they needed to do, got the runs that they needed to get, and took game two 
3-2. to two. Turning to Game 3, this game was a bit of a different story. Unfortunately, the Mets fell in this one at 6-2, but... Once again, the, the pitching for the Mets honestly was really good. Chris Bassett was on the mound. He took the loss, but he looked really good. He went 6.1 innings. He gave up 5 hits, 3 runs, 2 walks, and had 9 strikeouts. Uh, the story, really, of this entire series were the, the Mets starters got a ton of strikeouts in this 4-game set. The, the trouble for Bassett really came in the 7th inning. He stayed in for the 7th and gave up 2 singles and a walk, and that's when Seth Lugo came in. With one out in the inning, unfortunately for Bassett, who had pitched a scoreless game up until that point, you know, six scoreless innings, Seth Lugo gave up a grand slam and three of the runs, the three runs that are, were charged to Bassett, his three runners all scored. Lugo did not look his best out there. He pitched .2 innings. He gave up two hits, two runs, one walk, no strikeouts for him. He ended up giving another run up in that inning after the grand slam. It... It's something that we've seen Lugo be a little shaky, but he has been really solid for the past, you know, couple of weeks. And this was just not a, a good situation and not a great performance from him at all, especially since the offense was being absolutely shut down. Then after Lugo, Tommy Hunter made his return to the Mets. He pitched for them a couple of times last year out of the pen before leaving the team. And, you know, the Mets signed him on a minor league deal, I believe. And he was back up and he looked really good. He actually looked really solid out there. He gave, he pitched 1.2 innings, gave up no hits, one run. It was not earned. He gave up no walks and had two strikeouts. I thought he looked really solid out there. And the run that scored really should have been reviewed and for some reason the Mets didn't review it it was clearly an out that you know it was a bad throw by Escobar but Pete Alonso was able to you know drop the tag on the runner and for some reason the Mets decided not to challenge it that run ended up scoring but you know because it was an error it was on an unearned run but I thought Tommy Hunter looked really good out there and you know with uh, Seth Lugo who actually went on the paternity leave today leaving and the Mets dealing with some injuries and the the shorten or the the shrinking roster sizes in terms of pitching Tommy Hunter could prove to be a pretty important piece for the Mets so you know that's it was nice to see him go out there and look really strong after Hunter Rodriguez came in he pitched one-third of an inning gave up one hit no runs no walks and had one strikeout so finished off the day for the pitchers who you know Despite a loss, I thought the pitching outside of Lugo was really good in this game. And Bassett really had a great day, just, you know, had one tough inning and Lugo unfortunately let it get away from him. But turning to the offense, not too much to say here. The, the Mets really just were shut down by Sandy Alcantara, who is one of the best pitchers in the league. He pitched eight innings against the Mets and just really held them the entire game, the Mets were able to put up two runs, which, you know, against a pitcher like Alcantara is, is impressive. It's just unfortunate the Mets gave up six, so didn't really work out from the, for them there. Lindor, again, stayed hot, drove in a run in the sixth inning, and then in the seventh inning, Luis Guillorme drove in, drove in one. So those were the two runs the Mets had. They only had six hits on the day. No one on the team had two hits. It was, you know, just a dominant performance by Alcantara, and the Mets were really shut down. But that takes us to Game 4. 
the Monday game of the series where the Mets, once again, their pitching staff was on fire in this game, just as they had been the entire series. David Peterson was on the mound for the Mets. He went 5.1 innings. He gave up six hits, no runs. He had given up two walks and had seven strikeouts. He was on in this game, and it was something we really needed to see from Peterson, who, you know, had been looking really good since coming up and really, you know, having a solid spot in the rotation and recently had just hit a rough patch where he just wasn't able to go very deep into games, wasn't really looking great with his control but today he was getting the Marlins to swing at pitches out of the zone he was looking really strong out there and he did an awesome job he pitched 100 pitches and you know I was hoping he would be able to get through the sixth inning unfortunately he ran into some trouble there and wasn't able to get through it but the rest of the pitching staff picked him up Adovino came in he pitched one and two thirds innings and as I mentioned a little earlier had a really nice outing in this his second really nice outing in this series he gave up no hits or runs, no walks, and had two strikeouts. And as I mentioned, Peterson got into some trouble in the sixth inning, and Adovino was able to get the double play to get out of there. So really nice job from him. Drew Smith came in after Adovino, pitched an inning. He gave up one hit, no runs, no walks, no strikeouts, scoreless inning from Smith. And then in the ninth, Yoan Lopez came in. He pitched an inning, gave up no hits or runs. He did have two walks. He did allow two walks, but got one strikeout, and got out of the inning scoreless. It was the 11th shutout game the Mets have pitched this season, and they just look dominant out there pitching-wise. So, you know, I mean, hats off to the pitching staff who was just completely in control in this entire series. Even the game that they lost, I thought, you know, in general, the, the pitching staff in that game looked really good. Turning to the offense, the Mets put up six runs they only had nine hits and it was a uh, you know they put up six runs in sort of unconventional ways in the first inning the the bases were loaded and Kenna walked in a run to put the Mets up one nothing then in the fourth inning a sack fly scored a run and then a wild pitch scored another in the fifth Alonso hit a sack fly scoring a run and then in the eighth inning Eduardo Escobar added on and gave the Mets some insurance run, scoring two with an infield single to center field. Eduardo Escobar drove in three runs in this game, which was really nice to see, especially with that hit, which broke a slump for him. Nimmo also looked really good. He had three hits in his five at-bats, which, you know, he hasn't looked really the same since coming back from his injury, but, you know, it was a really nice job for Nimmo to, you know, collect that many hits and, and to be you know, basically on throughout the entire game. And then, as I said, with Escobar, nice to see him driving home those three runs. You know, this was just a nice game overall. Really good complimentary baseball with the offense doing what they needed to do, driving runs, even though there was only one hit that drove in runs in this game. But, you know, just a nice job by the pitching and offense in this game and just a really nice job by the Mets in this series, taking three out of four from the Marlins and doing what they needed to do, taking care of business. So now that I've broken down all four games from the series, I want to take a quick break. And when I get back, I want to dive into a Mets injury update. All right, and welcome back. So now that I've gone over all four games from the Marlins series, I want to break down the the injury situation that the Mets have, you know, some good, some bad, and, you know, just look at where the Mets stand because they have dealt with a lot of injuries this season and are still now dealing with even more injuries as time goes on. So I want to start with the bad, and that is 
you know, the bad surrounds Tyler McGill and Jeff McNeil. So McGill last Thursday left his start against the Brewers and was diagnosed with a with a strained right shoulder. Now, he had already been shut down and had just returned from the IL, so seeing him, you know, call for the trainers and leave the game was really disheartening, especially since the Mets are dealing with a lot of injuries to their pitching staff. The diagnosis for him is that he'll be shut down from throwing for four weeks before being reevaluated, and you know, again, this is just a big hit to the rotation. He looks solid in his in his return, and in the the two games that he pitched since coming back from the the IL, he looked like he was you know back to his normal self. It just you know it it clearly something went wrong, and he'll he'll be out for a little while, which you know is tough considering the Mets. You know, our down Degrom, our down Scherzer. Although I will be getting to him in a little bit. Um, and you know, the rest of the team has done a great job picking up for the guys out of the rotation. But it's just it hurts when one of your your best guys in McGill goes down, especially after just having him back for such a short amount of time. After McGill, I, I mentioned McNeil. McNeil actually left today's game with right hamstring tightness. He was running home on a the the pass ball that or wild pitch that he scored on and, you know, kind of pulled up lame, was limping a little bit in the dugout. He's looked so much like his old self, you know, not the 2021 McNeil we saw last year, but, you know, the McNeil we had seen in years past, you know, beating the shift, looking consistent at the plate, getting that that average up there, being the, the guy who hits for average that we're used to and not, you know, the guy who's you know, looking to drive the ball over the fence every time. So losing McNeil for a significant amount of time would be a huge loss to this team. According to Showalter right now, he's day-to-day. But, you know, hamstring tightness, uh, as I mentioned with Marte, you know, a couple episodes ago, with muscle, you know, muscle strains and stuff like that, you don't want to risk anything. You don't want to push it because that can just get worse and worse and worse. So I'm not going to be surprised at all if we don't see him throughout the entire Houston series coming up. And I wouldn't be surprised if they even put him onto the IL. You got to be careful with these things. And, you know, an IL stint and losing McNeil could be huge, but you want to be careful. You don't want to push him too hard. You know, with Marte, the Mets got lucky and he he hasn't even been 100% in with his running, but you, you got to play it safe with these kind of injuries. So it's just, that's a rough you know, hit for the Mets right there. But after the bad, I I do want to turn to the good because the Mets have had, you know, some positive news with the the numerous amount of guys that they have on the IL. The, The main guys I want to talk about, though, are McCann and Scherzer because they appear to be the closest to returning. McCann's been working his way back from surgery to repair a broken handmate bone in his left hand, and he began a rehab assignment a couple days ago and has made a few minor league starts already. And while McCann wasn't exactly setting the world on fire in terms of hitting when he was starting back in the first month and a half of the season, you know, he does bring a power threat to the plate. I mean, the the homer he hit in Arizona was massive, and we know that he has that ability. He has the ability to, you know, spread the ball around the field, and he can be a, a plus bat in your lineup when he's on. But the biggest thing McCann brings is that he's an excellent defensive catcher. He's got a cannon of an arm, and he's a, a great game manager. I mean, he called the, the no-hitter the Mets had earlier this year, and we've heard from some pitchers the impact of losing McCann. You know, Bassett really you know, laid it all out on the line after his great start against the Brewers last week about how 
you know, it had taken him some time to get on the same page with Nito and Mazika. And, you know, with McCann, he had been on the same page with McCann. McCann's a, a professional guy. He's been in the league for a long time, and he has caught in this league for a long time. And you know, you can tell that he has the pitchers and the pitching staff respect. So, you know, not to knock Mazika or Nito because I've thought they've done it. I thought both of them have done an excellent job, you know, holding down the fort. But it'll be really nice to have McCann back there behind the plate, bringing that that expertise that he does have and that rapport he has with the pitching staff. And then turning to Scherzer, this was not a guy I was expecting to talk about at all at this point in June, but the Mets may possibly see Scherzer back after going down on May 18th with what was called a moderate to high grade internal oblique strain. Tomorrow on Tuesday, Scherzer is going to make a rehab start with McCann behind the plate, which, you know, I like to see that those guys getting back on the same page again. And if all goes well, the Mets think that he might be able to make his start this upcoming Sunday in Miami. You know, this is way, way ahead of schedule for him, and this is far from what I expected. But, you know, with McGill going down, this could be huge to, you know, get one of the Mets' best pitchers, one of their two top aces, Cy Young winners, their stars back in the rotation. We know he's a workhorse. We know that, you know, as soon as he went down that he was going to be grinding to get back, but I did not see him coming back this quick. You know, hopefully all goes well. Hopefully he, you know, we all know he knows his body, but, you know, hopefully isn't pushing himself to a point where he's going to re-injure himself down the line. But, you know, having him back and, you know, especially paired with McCann, that's a real big boost to the Mets rotation. And then just to run through some other updates on the injury front, Jankowski, Travis Jankowski, has a bone test tomorrow. And if all goes well, he hopes to ramp up quickly and return to the Mets in early July. Trevor May has begun throwing again. That would be a really nice you know, bonus for the Mets bullpen, although I don't know how soon the Mets will be seeing him, maybe, you know, towards the middle or end of July. And then the big one, DeGrom, last week he threw a 30-pitch bullpen session, which was his fourth bullpen session. You like to see that. Hopefully, if things are continuing to, to move in the right direction, he can move on to some simulated games and then eventually rehab starts before he gets up to the Mets, hopefully at some point next month. But, you know, it's exciting news. However, as I mentioned earlier, there are some, you know, not so great, you know, reports for the Mets in terms of McGill and McNeil. And as we know, injuries can crop up at any time. So the Mets need to continue what they've been doing, working with what they've got, and need to keep going out there and performing every day no matter who's on the field. So turning to the Mets' upcoming series, they will be traveling to Houston to take on the Astros. On the mound for the Mets tomorrow will be Trevor Williams up against Jose Urquidy, who is 5-3 with a 4-9-9 ERA. And then on Wednesday, it is just a two-game set, so this is the finale of the series. It'll be Carlos Carrasco up against Luis Garcia, who is 4-5 with a 3-4-1 ERA. While this is a quick, you know, a quick two-game set, it's only two games, but Houston is a formidable team. They're leading the AL West by nine and a half games, and you know it seems like they have a pretty solid hold on that division. They're a top 10 team in terms of team OPS, and in terms of team ERA, they're in the top three. So on both sides of the ball, Houston's been getting it done this year. It's not going to be an easy series at all. You know, two games is quick, and it's nice that it'll be, you know, an in and out kind of series. They're not going to be, you know, far away in a different time zone for a, a long time like the Mets saw last week. But, you know, the Mets got to go in there looking for that, that 
two-game split. You know, now just take one of them, ideally the first game, and if you can take the first game, you can, you know, maybe go for that two-game sweep. But, you know, two-game sets are pretty are challenging, and especially against a good Houston team, this is going to, you know, be a big test for the Mets. But as with all of these AL West games, you know, it's exciting for the Mets to take on an opponent that they don't see very often, a team that they haven't seen for a couple of years. So this is going to be an exciting game. This is going to be a good game, and... I'm excited to see how the Mets do up against one of the top teams in Major League Baseball. So that is going to be all for this episode, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. I truly appreciate it. I'd love to hear your thoughts. I love interacting with other Mets and baseball fans. And you can reach me at my Twitter, at PodMets. Tweet me your thoughts about the Mets, about baseball. I love talking about the sport. So I'd love to hear from you all on Twitter, at PodMets. Once again, thank you all so much for listening, and as always, let's go Mets!